How about you, church? Good grief. Good morning to you. You sound great. You look great. Welcome online crowd as well. If, um, if you're new with us, and it's been so cool in this season, you know, in, in the depths when we weren't meeting, we talked about the challenges as we should have. So we got to talk about the good as we come out of it. So um, our online crowd... Uh, you wouldn't know this if you're not here, but we've had new people, like new people we've never met almost every week since we've come back in person. We're so thankful for you. Just so you know, as you come back or if you're new to us, your first step when you're ready is to fill out a connect card. The easiest way to do that is to do it on our website online, relentlesschurch.cc. The other super cool thing is almost every week, right, we get some folks coming back that were with us before the pandemic and are just haven't been ready to come back until now. So it's like reunion and we get to see how much their kids grew and all that fun stuff. So to all of you in the room, all of you online, we're thrilled you're here as we start a new series today. But before we get to that, uh, we asked you to pray last week and you must have, right? Because our kids had a great week. I think we got a picture on the screen. This is our RC students crew, all right? They look good. They're, the loudest claps were from them themselves, the clapping, which is, I'm cool with that. But uh, 20... 20 uh, young people, and, and really, those of us who have been on these trips, we really were praying for those three leaders, um, Raph and Phil and Mel. They all did great. God worked. And uh, in the coming weeks, uh, you'll be hearing a little bit more, some stories of, of what God did. And really, it's not a week that sits there and stays there for a church. Um, we need our young people to lead us and to help us in so many ways. But what happened this week is going to affect students that weren't on this trip. Um, so if you're a high schooler, middle schooler, or going to be, or know somebody who is, um, they'll take a little bit of time off for the summer, and then they'll go back at it here in six, eight weeks or so, and you're invited to that, and what God did at camp this last week will carry through uh, to the fall, and we're super pumped about how God is moving, not just in this room, in our elementary room, and preschool, but in our teenagers, man, it's so fun to watch God move in their lives. So thank you if you prayed. Um, if you didn't pray, I ain't mad at you, right? But thank you for um, acting like you were. Um, but no, thank you for, for the prayers because they were heard. Not only did they get back safe, but God just uh, worked in their hearts and lives, which is a beautiful thing. Today, we start this series, Out the Mouth, right? Everybody's got one, right? We're going to talk about what comes out of our mouth. I heard years ago, maybe you've heard this, that women speak 20,000 words a day. And men, on average, speak 7,000 words a day. So that's, if you do the math, it's about triple. You ever heard that? Raise your hand if you've ever heard stats similar to that. Women speak three times, right? Now some of us are testifying to the truth of that. Well, I've heard that. I feel like my whole adult life I've heard women say, and then I thought about, well, that ain't true in my family, right? In my family, it is not that way, right? We, um, we got, it's just... I won't go into it, right? We just want, it's not that way. And then I think about some of my dearest friends and it's like, it ain't that way in their family. And I'm doing this series on out the mouth and I wanted to start with how women talk so much more than men, but let me verify that. So I started looking it up. Somebody put that stat in a self-help book like 20 some years ago. And they went to that self-help book and they looked for a source and there was no source. Now that self-help book, I don't remember the name of it, it, is, it had to be reprinted and deleted that stat because that stat was pulled out of thin air. It doesn't exist. It's what we call fake news now, right? But somebody made that up 
And then everybody repeated it. Like every preacher and every like person who speaks public speaking, like they speak on relationships, women, they just throw that out there. Women speak three times more than men. And it's no facts in it. There have been some studies where they actually like hook you up to these monitors and they count and hear like statistical data words. Guess what they found? Almost exactly the number of words said per day, men and women. Now they did find some some settings matter, like uh, in a casual setting, women may use a few more words in a business or in a meeting setting, right? You ever been in a meeting with the dude who doesn't know that there's other people in the meeting, right? And he just talks and talks and talks, right? So there may be, I'm not saying there's no gender difference in words. I'm just saying the 20,000, 7,000 a day was just pulled out of thin air and I bought it. Maybe you bought it. It ain't true. And it doesn't matter that much, except here's what we're praying, Right? If you're with us for the first time, if you're with us online, if you've been with us for a while, we're praying and believing, not because of, of, of anything except the power of God, that the words, they're going to come out of your mouth. And we want this to be long-term, but specifically July 2021. That's what we're praying and focusing on. So based on the studies, you've got about a half a million words. It's already the fourth, right? Happy 4th of July, church. You've already used some the last four days. So for the rest of this month, you've got about 500,000, four to 500,000 words that you're going to speak if you're average. Now, how do you get averages? My family, like, you got to have some people that don't say anywhere near their share, but then you always got other people that'll take advantage and they'll take their words and your words to get the average. So in the 500,000 words that you're going to on average say the rest of this month, we believe God wants to do something in those words. In the words that are said that you never dreamed you were going to say, and some words that would have been said but God, and you're not going to let them maybe come out this month. So I, I want to talk about the power of words and kind of set it up today, because words do matter. You know, July 4th, I think, I think it was last year that um, Hamilton, the, the musical hit, the streaming services, which... Uh, was the way I saw it. And with, I'm not a musical guy. I had very low bar. And I was like, wow, right? If this is, if this is what a mu musical is, maybe I need to watch more. Um, but in that, if you've watched it, um, the, it's early in the thing. And, and Alexander Hamilton is showing an ability to fire people up and to speak. And the line is, hey, we got to get him in front of a crowd, right? So much of you study the history of the independence movement in 1776, so much of that, yes, was fought on the battlefields, but it was also, as always is, it was a war of words. Who would win the people? There's so much power in what comes out of our mouth. I saw a cute quote this, this week that sticks and stones may break our bones. Sticks and stones may break our bones, but they also shatter but words shatter souls. I messed that up pretty good, didn't I? All right? Sticks and stones may break our bones, but words can shatter souls. They're powerful, and you get to use yours and give them to God. So we're going to pray right now. I'm going to pray, God, that you would show up in a way that maybe we're not used to, and, and specifically, God, that this would go past a Sunday morning message that Today, wherever we're doing and whoever we're going to be with and, and later this week and, and later this month and, and way past July. But God, right now, we're just praying for July that we would allow you and even invite you, not, not hold, we would ask you to help us with what comes out of our mouths, that we would surrender 
not just our mouths, as we're both about to learn, but even deeper than that. Lead us this morning, God. Speak to hearts right where they are like only you can. Help them know online and in this room that there's a living, active, loving, relentless God that will never give up on anybody that desperately wants to know and change and transform and lead and bless and that you're here, that you're available, that you're real, that you're all-powerful, that you know their name, that you know their issues, that you love them intensely. God, help them know and believe that and speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So words, powerful. You know, uh, we, we looked at this uh, a year ago, but some crazy stuff that Scripture claims about our words. Look at these Proverbs on the screen. Uh, kind words are sweet to the soul and healing to the body. That's a crazy claim, right? Sweet to the soul we get. Hey, somebody said something encouraging to me. It inc- that's sweet to my soul. That's great. But in addition, the scripture claims that words can have healing, not to the soul. I want soul stuff, right? Yeah. But to the actual physical body, the words have the ability to affect your health. What? That's powerful. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. In Proverbs 13, he who guards his mouth preserves his life. There's a lot of scripture we can walk through, but I want, I want to give you one that's going to be kind of central for these four weeks of July as we talk about out the mouth. And, and I was coming through this and, um, this, this week, and, and the word in this text, it's, a, it's, a, it's in, from a book of James. James was um, the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, James was full of religion and not, not sure that his own brother was who he says he was. What changed James' mind is what James changed so many other people's minds. When a dude dies and then raises from the dead, right, that changed everything for life, the world, and for James. James became a key uh, central foundational figure in the New Testament church that we continue today as a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement. James wrote a letter to the churches that we just call the book of James and scripture. It's a very practical book. So, so there's a great little section about our mouths that we're going to get to. But as I was looking at that, it had a word that I forgot was in there. There was a word reptile that you'll see in a second. And I just feel like as a church, we need to acknowledge what we just walked through this past week, right? With, with the zebra, cobra, right? We, we have tried to be so respectful of, of decisions online and, and we're trusting God and you to figure out when you feel like it's safe to come back out and whatever. And we totally respect that. But that some of y'all were driving around like nothing. Some of y'all, some of our relentless family, we got people, you know, all over. I could name all the little you know, places in Wake County, Raleigh. I'll leave one out. But we got people in North Raleigh. We got people Leesville Road area. We had people going to work and just acting like there wasn't a zebra cobra loose. I don't understand y'all, right? Like I've been living life and we're going to restaurants and doing some things that we didn't do months ago. But if I live anywhere near, and my brother told me that uh, they said five miles a day was how much the radius would expand each day they didn't catch it, right? So I was doing the math and I thought, uh, all right, somebody's preaching Sunday because by Sunday, if it's not caught, it could be here. And I'm, it's, a, it's a spitting cobra. Like it's not a fairy tale. This was loose in Raleigh, right? Not in the zoo. What are we doing? I just want to acknowledge and praise God. Like, yes, he brought us through some hurricanes and storms and he brought us through a pandemic, but that's nothing compared to a spitting cobra. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Now you're ready for James chapter three. For every kind of beast and bird 
of reptile. See, that's how I got there. And sea creature can be tamed. Now, when it says tamed, it doesn't mean like come here and it comes here. It means tamed like man can have control and authority over it, right? It can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil. Here's what God says about our tongues. Full of deadly poison, right? We should be more worried about these things right here than a spitting cobra. The rest is full of deadly poison. Then he continues next verse. With it, our tongues, we bless our Lord and Father in worship and in word. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, this ought not to be so. It's tongue. It's violent. I could make the case. I would make the case that the damage to our soul emotions from words hurts more than the physical damage of a fight. In fact, we're going to look at a clip. Now, let me set this up. All right, we've done a few vision series. We may do another one. I don't know. I mean, we'll definitely do more vision series, but we've done some vision series in the past of our church, and we named the vision series, This Is Us, right? Because it's a cool little phrase, and there's a TV show called This Is Us. Now, because we did those series, some people got the idea, like, oh, Relentless, that's like the Relentless show. Like, you know, teams have mascots, churches have, like, that's, our, that's the Relentless TV show. So then I've had several people come up to me through the years and be like, yeah, I, don't, I know everybody at Relentless watches that. I don't watch that. Listen, the truth is there's like 10 of us, right? There's like 10 of us that watch that show. It's the best show I've ever seen. I preach most weeks up here, so I talk about the show, right? So it gives the, the kind of the flavor that, like, this is our show. It's not our show. It's my show. Right? And a few of you are, you know, enlightened enough to appreciate the show as well. So if you've never seen this show, you're not on the outside, you're not a loser, you're not a, you know, whatever. Uh, but I'm gonna use a clip this morning from This Is Us, and you don't need to know anything about what I'm, t- except what I'm about to tell you. This is uh, two brothers, Kevin and Randall. All right, and this is, I wouldn't show anything from this last season because some of you may be behind. This is the season before the last season. So if you're not caught up with that, that's kind of on you. There's really nothing coming out in this clip that's going to break your heart. But if you want to go and watch the show, start from the beginning. You got you to start from the beginning, come all the way through. Jesus is in the show. That's all I'm going to say. Kevin and Randall, this thing has been building the tension between these two brothers for the entire show. And everything about the lead up feels like there's about to be blows thrown, right? But instead of blows thrown, it's this. Check it out. You know what, Kev? I'm not going to walk away from this. Randall, please. You think you know what's best for her because you spent a day with her? Because you took her to a movie premiere? I think I know what's best for her because she told us, Randall, and you took that from her. How dare you waltz in here after 40 years? How dare you? No, no, no. How dare I what? How dare you pretend that you give a rat's ass about what anybody else wants other than you? You want mom to spend more time with the family because you want to spend more time with her. You want mom to decide with you. You, you, you. Are you kidding me right now? This is about me? Huh? This isn't about me, Randall. This is about you. It's not about mom. It's about you wanting to save mom. You have no That's what idea. this is about. You have no idea what you're talking about, Kevin. You have no idea what it means to actually take care of oh, people. Oh, yes. Oh, exactly. Because I left, right? Because I left and you stayed and played martyr. I stayed and I took care of our family, well, man. Well, you did a good job taking care of dad, didn't you? And what is that supposed to you mean? You want to do this now? Please. You want to do this now? Finally, all after all these years, let's do it. You know, this whole narrative that you keep spinning, this narrative that you took care of the family, where did, the hell did that come from? Huh? Because all I know is if I had been there, mm-hmm. I would have walked through literal fire and I would have pulled that man out. 
Hmm. Well, Kev, I guess we'll never know because you weren't there. And he died ashamed of you. I think, I think that's the part that really gets you, isn't it? The shame that he felt for you and the pride that he felt for me. I mean, you're not even chasing dad's shadow, Kevin. You're chasing mine. But you'll never be him and you'll never be me because you'll never know what it's like to devote yourself to anyone other than yourself. And you'll pretend, but it'll just be a performance. Got tired, stale performance, like all of your performances. You know, I used to think the worst thing that happened to me was the day that dad died. It's the day they brought you home. Hand to God, Randall, the worst thing that ever happened to me was the day they brought you home. Ooh, you know what I'm saying? Right? Oh, we'd rather him thrown blows. But the reason that show's powerful is if you've never seen that clip, or even if you had, maybe not exactly like that, but who of us have not been in a conversation? And you don't mean what you say, but the emotion and the, all the stuff, and you just know if I say this, if, I, if this will hurt, I'm going to find the words that will hurt the most in the moment. And they come out, and you almost immediately wish they hadn't, but it's too late. We wound, we scar, we hurt with our words. Now, some of you might have noticed that we bleeped out. There was a few words in there that we took out, right? And some of you are thankful for that. Maybe some of you are like, hey, why'd you take out the, those? You know, what's the, they're just words. Listen, that's coming later in the series. We're going to get all, we'll get to your cussing and which words are bad, which words does Jesus allow you to say and is, you know, freaking and stinking. Are they okay? Are they good sub? Like, we'll get to all that, right? We're saving that because some of you, that's all you want to know. What words is God cool with and what's he not? So if we did that first, then we wouldn't see you again. So that's coming in a couple weeks. But for today, man, I just want us to be real about the power of words, but then underneath that, and really underneath this whole series, is not our tongue. And we're going to look at Jesus' interaction in Matthew 15. And there's, there's a moment here where he's accused of some things. Let's just look at it, and I'll, I'll walk you through it. Matthew 15, starting in verse 1, the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat. Now, there's a, we're going to go to another verse in a second. We're going to skip a paragraph because that's not what today is about. But the, but the Pharisees and the scribes were the religious leaders. Right? These are the people that spoke for God in that, in that culture. They had a lot of clout. They had a lot of uh, respect. They had a lot of power. Right? And they spoke on behalf of God. And they come and they have all these rules. And they make up these rules, but they put God's name on them. And the people, for the most part, didn't know what was from God and what was from man. So that's incredible power. And you still see this dynamic sometimes today in modern culture where human beings have so much power that people really don't know what God said or didn't. Thank God for his word that doesn't change. But, but people just take people's word for it. Right. And, and God said it because I told you he did. And the danger in that, well, that's who they were. So they took some things that God did said, but then they added like hundreds of things to it. And through the centuries and through the power structure, nobody really knew what was from God and what was from man. So they just said it's all from God. 
So, so part of that was, you know, you, you want to be clean. So the Old Testament and the Jewish, there's all this stuff that God gave them about how to be clean um, and pure. And some of that was hygiene and just for their health, right? But it wasn't, it wasn't to um, make them whole. It was just good, healthy stuff. Well, the Pharisees and the scribes, they said, okay, to make sure you're clean, we're going to add all these other things to it. So before you ate, right, we're going to go eat in a little bit. You know, some of you are going to eat crazy tonight, July 4th. You're going to eat everything on the home family buffet. Before you do that, right, you would have to basically bathe, right, elbows down. You had to do it so long, so many times to make sure that nothing on you, in you was unclean. Because if anything on you is unclean, then you touch the food. Now the food's unclean, and now you eat unclean food, and now God doesn't want to look at you because you're unclean. That was the message. So, that was what they were saying. Now, the disciples, and we don't, I wish we had some details on July 4th of what happened here. We don't know what the scenario is. We just know somewhere the disciples were at a function, and it was noticed by the religious dudes, Jesus, dude, they don't even wash their hands, right? Which some of your kids are like, oh, so we don't have to wash. That's not, he's not, it's not taking a position on washing hands or not. They come to him, and why do you break the tradition of the elders? And elders speak for God. So really, you're going against God because you're not washing your hands. So, so Jesus goes this long thing that we're going to skip about, you know, those traditions are your traditions. They're not God's. That's his whole thing. That's why he's so patient and loving and gracious, except when he gets around these Pharisees. And he's so combative because they claim to speak for God. And Jesus is the son of God. And he has to let them and everybody know they're lying. Like, they're not speaking for me or for God. They're speaking for themselves. So he calls them out on that. And then in verse 8, he says this, this people, right, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Two accusations. They're saying some good stuff that's true with their lips, but their heart is so far from me. That's one. Second accusation, they're teaching doc doctrines, that's, you know, theology, command stuff you do. They're teaching doctrines as commandments. They're teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. They're teaching things that are, they're saying they're from God and they're actually from themselves. That's like the worst thing you can say to a preacher, to a, you're teaching this is from God and it's actually from you. Verse 10, he called the people to him. So he said that to the religious leaders. Then he calls everybody. He called the people to him and he said, hey, hear and understand it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. You're so worried that if your hand's not clean and then you eat that biscuit, right, that now the biscuit with your unclean hand, the biscuit's unclean, the biscuit goes in your body. Now you're unclean and you can't be around. You can't like, you're so worried. It's not the stuff that you put into a body that or goes into the mouth that defiles a person. It's what comes out of the mouth. Verse 12, this is great. So, so, so Jesus just said some stuff. The disciples came and said to him, this is just disciples and Jesus. Hey, do you know, Jesus, great, great talk, sort of. But the Pharisees who kind of run the show, if you've noticed, like they call the shots, they're offended. You've offended the Pharisees. Like, and, and, you know, 
There's certain people you don't want to offend, and they're probably at the top of the list. And as if Jesus is unaware of everything, hey, Jesus, you know, we hate to be, they might maybe even butter them up like we do, like, hey, I loved it when you said that part. Oh, that was a great, but just so you know, oh man, the Pharisees, they're offended because you're, they're, they're, they've, they've created 842 laws on how to keep clean at dinner, right? And, and you just said, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What, nothing you put in you makes you unclean. Like they're mad. Like not like, hey, we need to have a talk. Like mad, like we might try to find a way to kill you mad. You've offended them. And I, I think apologies is great, but what Jesus wasn't into was fake apologies, right? We live in this culture now where canceling and everything, and, and, and you apologize to save your career sometimes as celebrities, even if you don't mean it, or even in one-on-one conversations, you ever had somebody apologize to you like this? Hey, I'm, I'm really sorry that you took it that way, All right? So I'm apologizing for your problem. That's really not an apology, right? But you feel better because I kind of, I apologize. No, you didn't. You apologized in words, but not in, in heart. So they're coming, hey, Jesus, you've offended these people. And and I think apology is great when it's sincere, when it's needed, but, but Jesus wasn't having it. Verse 13, he answered, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Leave them alone. They're blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. <laughs> no, no, like, hey, Pharisees, you guys might've taken that wrong. Maybe I said that a little, maybe I could have said that better. Oh, I'm sorry if you received it that way. No, no, Jesus says, yeah, you know what? God, every, every person, every, everything that, that is planted is not from God. And you know what we need to do with the Pharisees? Let's just leave them alone. They're blind guides, right? They're leading people to nowhere. Just let them be. If they're offended, they're offended. Verse 15, Peter said to him, well, explain the parable to us. And Jesus says, are you still without understanding? So then he breaks it down as simple as he can. Verse 17. Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? This is like my favorite verse to talk about with middle schoolers, right? Because it's not talking about expelling from school. This is Jesus. Like, you shouldn't talk about that in church. Jesus, it's part of Jesus' words, right? Here, let me break this down for you. When you eat something, no matter how dirty your hands were, it goes in your body and eventually it goes out the back door. All right? So when you touch that hush puppy, the hush puppy goes in your body. It doesn't make you unclean because somehow, some way, that hush puppy is exiting stage right, left, back, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. It's Jesus talking about. He talked about bodily functions. He made the body, which is kind of cool that he could then explain it to us. And then that sets up that great question. Hey, don't you know? Don't you see? He doesn't say don't you know. He says don't you see because everybody has this in common. We all expel, to use his word. He uses that to get to our money verse this morning and really for the next month, verse 18. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles or makes a person unclean. What comes out the mouth proceeds from the heart. Some translations say, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That, if you believe is true, changes everything about how we're going to view our speech. Out of the mouth, everything coming out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. Out of the overflow of the mouth, 
Or the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So just simple so you can see it. I'm not going to blow you away here. I thought about bringing some Dr. Pepper to do this, but I thought it's too valuable to spill out. Because I'm going to spill this. Because you can't see in the cup, right? You can't see in my heart. But if I pour this, and I just keep pouring and keep pouring, eventually, what we got? We got an overflow. This cup is not big enough. There's no magic trick here. It's just not big enough. So if I just keep pouring and keep pouring and keep pouring, here we come, right? There's your overflow. It's got to go somewhere, right? It can't hold it. It's got to go somewhere. That's how God made us. We think, our, you know, I, just, I didn't mean that. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, yeah we actually do. God made us, and, and it's not that our hearts get full. It's that life happens. Bonnie, you know, beautifully shared just some, some stuff that she's walked through way back and walked through now. And we all have life, and it comes hard, and it doesn't stop, and it kicks us when we're down, and it's dirty, and it's unfair, and it's all those things. And in that, our heart suffers, right? And our heart has to deal, and if we don't learn to put our heart in God's lap and allow him to transform and change and give us what scripture calls, give us a new heart, renew my heart, renew my mind, clean me up. If we don't do that, like it's going to fill up with junk. And how do you see the heart? Where does the overflow go from the heart? The way God made us is the overflow of the heart. It's going to show up in your mouth. It's going to show up in the words you use. Now, some of you are churched Right, so you've learned the trick. You think awful things. You just don't say them because you know better. Right? Until maybe a few drinks. Whoa, where did that come from? Oh, it was in there all along. You've just trained yourself with some discipline, eh? And, and there's value in that, right? There's value in not saying everything you think. But we're going deeper than just that. We're saying, hey, even if I think it, it's coming from my heart, and maybe I've learned a little bit to not let it come out of my mouth always, but it's still there. Out of the overflow of the heart, this stuff just bubbles up, and eventually it comes out of our mouth. In fact, some of us have pat ourselves on the back because I don't say this word and I don't say that word. We got, if you got a bunch of junk in your heart, instead of saying really like you would never say what we saw on the clip, oh, you know, because they were just trying to say things just to hurt each other there if you didn't get that. And you might not be, I would never say that. You know what your struggle is? Like we all got struggles. Your struggle is you may go three, four, five months and your mouth, man, it's not a lot of junk coming out of it because you're saving it up. If you don't deal with a heart, then you're the person. But man, when it comes on New Year's Eve after like, oh my goodness, that was crazy. Like you had all this months, sometimes, have you ever seen this? Years. We never saw her like that. Where did that come from? Oh, it was, it was just billowing and billowing. And man, her cup was huge and she knew and she tried, but she didn't deal with the heart. And eventually, oh, it's coming. It, and those are the scenes that nobody, like you can't leave the room, but you don't want to watch, but you don't want to turn away. It is train wreck, right? You've been there. Maybe you've been the one, right? So we're not trying to help you, man, just swallow stuff. We're trying to deal with, well, where does that come from? And today, just connect, right? I don't know how many inches that is, but God says, whatever's in here is coming out here. That changes everything. Let's say, let's say you're the person that finds a way to make a dirty sexual out of any, like I could be up here preaching and there's certain words I don't use, right? That are fine. They're, they're not nasty words, but they're, they're associated with things. I won't give you an example. And, and, and some guys like they, I can see it. Like they start to snicker if I use those words, right? Because they just, everything is morphed into some sort of 
dirty joke. Or, or maybe you're the person that boldly says certain words in some context, but then proudly, I would never say that in other contexts. Maybe you're the person that talks about a person one way when they're not in the room and would never dare talk about that person when they are in the room. Maybe the person that loves, like you just, nothing more fun than sitting down on a Sunday lunch on July 4th than talking about the gossip and so-and-so celebrity or in your own life. And did you hear, I don't know if it's true, but I saw you. Maybe, maybe you're the one that's so quick and good at exaggerating. You take what's true in your life and you just can't help but to add a little extra detail that makes you look a better, badder, or richer, or more successful, or more whatever than you really are. You just can't help but adding a little. It's not that it's a lie, it's just that it's not completely true. And we all have, I, I got, I'm on that list. And what will we say? We would say, man, you got some issues with your mouth. God wants to work on what you're saying and what you're not saying, and, and that's not true. The truth is you got some issues with your heart, and I've got some issues with my heart. And it's a little more comfortable to say, man, I gotta, God, do some work on my mouth, but the reality is God wants to do work on your heart, and the mouth is going to follow, and we're hoping to see that even this month. And we, we say so much as, as a student pastor, um, you know, I had three teenagers on this trip last week, and that means it was me and my wife and two dogs in the house. I know I haven't talked about that yet. We had one, now we have two. I don't want to talk about it. Um, but there was no humans except my wife and I this week, and it was glorious and weird and eerie all at the same time. But I remember doing those trips and loving those trips as a, as a volunteer and as a youth pastor and walking with kids and their families and the issues that come up, I cannot tell you how many times I heard a parent say, you know, he's a good kid. He's, he's got a good heart. She's a good kid. She's got a good heart. She's just got, and the reality is, no, they don't. He doesn't have a good heart. She doesn't have a good heart. That's why you're seeing the actions and the behaviors that you are seeing. It doesn't mean they're not redeemable. It doesn't mean they're hopeless. But the reality is we all have issues. We all have stuff in our heart and it comes out and we want to excuse it or justify it instead of the one thing God calls us to do, which is allow him to deal with our hearts. As parents, I've been guilty of this. I will parent my kid's mouth instead of parenting their heart. Because I can make you not say that again. Well, you want to you keep talking back? Keep doing it. We'll just keep extending that punishment. Right? There was one time I thought, man, that's three Christmases. Like, we, you know, you've just lost three Christmases. Just keep talking. We'll get all the way. Right? So we, we can control that. And honestly, that's easier as a parent. Like, that's just, uh-uh. I can control that. But parenting the mouth and not parenting the heart is a waste of time. 
We've got to parent our, where did that come from? That's not you. Well, if it came out of your mouth, that means there's something in your heart. Doesn't mean you're done. Doesn't mean you're ruined. Doesn't mean your whole heart, there's nothing good in you. No, 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 no. But if I say that, I can't come back and say, I'm sorry, I wasn't me. I don't know where that came from. What I need to say is, I'm sorry. I, I wish I hadn't said that. I regret that. And now I got to have some conversations with God about, man, there must be something in my heart that let my mouth say that. And I can't fix my heart, but God can and does. You know, what's your emotion when the check engine light comes on your car? You know, the dashboard, you get a check engine or any of the lights. I think there's, there's probably a bunch, but I think there's two kind of basic reactions. One is, that's a money grab, right? They put that stuff in there. It's like the car doesn't even have that many miles on it. There's no way, right? They set that up. So I'll take it to the mechanic and the mechanic can tell me how many millions of dollars this little code is going to cost me. The car's fine. It's just a money. It's a fraud. It's a way to get money out of people that don't understand all the car stuff. Like I don't understand all the car stuff. Or there's other people that see that light come on and they think, thank God, I can go get this fixed. This is going to prevent my engine blowing up. This is going to prevent me spending way more. I hate to spend this little money on this little thing, but it's going to prevent a much larger cost down the road. Do you trust the lights? Here's this whole series is your mouth is actually a heart indicator. So let's stop. Yeah, that wasn't me. I, yeah, I don't know why I even said that. I didn't get much sleep. Yes, it can factor, but really it's, our mouth is letting us know what's going on in our heart. And there's freedom in this, y'all. There's freedom. Like, we all have heart issues. Let's not waste a month working on our mouth. It'll just go away by August, right? But if we work on our heart, man, we can start to speak the things that God has called us to speak. God is, it's not just about stop saying stuff. Some of you are going to start to say stuff somebody in your life desperately needs to hear, and you're the one to say it, but you don't say it because you don't know, because of pride, because I don't know what God's going to do in you. But it's going to come from the heart through the mouth. We're, we're about heart change, not habit change. You know, if I was really good at speaking, I could, I could make a whole thing and, and we could do like we did. Remember, if you did this in middle school or high school, it wasn't even about Jesus. It was, you know, we'd have these wristbands or the better was just we'd punch each other. If you cuss, I'll punch you. If I cuss, you punch me. Anybody else do that? Was that just me? And, and my, no, nobody else did that. All right. So it was just a fun game. It had nothing to do with like holiness or any of that. It was just a, I don't know why we did what we did. We can do habit forming stuff. That's not us. Because then it becomes really who's best at keeping habits. Relentless church, gospel-centered. We're not about habit. We're about the heart change that leads to habit change. And we all, we all desperately need it. So there's freedom in that. Right? There's nobody can walk out and be like, man, this will be good for so-and-so. Like, finally, a message series that I don't have to worry about. I'm good on the mouth stuff. Right? I can tell you right now, you need this series more than anybody if that's you. This week we were doing some yard work, my wife and I, because we didn't know what to do. <laughs> Our kids were gone at camp. So we're, and, and my wife, Kelly, she asked me to, um, to dig up this like weed tree, like a little tree, you know, that was growing in among the nice rose bush. Um, and I went out there and I forgot how much 
thorns are attached to roses. It was like, man, I can't really get to that. So I took the shovel and I just stabbed it and I got it down, you know, where nobody could see it. The tree is gone. Everything looks beautiful. And she asked me about it later. She's like, did you, did you get it? I said, like, yeah, I got it. She's like, did you dig it up? I was like, no, no, no. I just stabbed it, right? I just stabbed it because I couldn't get really to it because it was underneath stuff. She's like, well, it's going to grow back. The problem with that is it's going to grow back. I'm like, I'm good with that. I'll stab it again. <laughs> She's like, but then, you know, you got to get to the, you got to dig the whole thing up. I was like, no, I mow the grass every week. It comes back and I mow it again. It's no big deal. She's like, well, the, the difference is the grass looks good, right? We want the grass to grow. We don't want the weed to grow. And it's like, that's a really good point. I didn't think of that, right? But I left it because I didn't want to mess with it. Why? Because the job, the two-minute job of knocking that out, and it looks, you drive by my house, you do not see it. There's no weed there to your visual eye. I did not want to take the sweat and the blood possibly and the work to get down in there and actually dig the whole root up. You know how easy it is to appear like you got it. That's the shortcut. We're wasting our time. That's what Jesus drove him nuts. That's why he was so salty in this Matthew 15. We're, I'm here to die for your sins and to win victory and eternal life, to know the God that created you. And you're talking about if we washed our hands. You're talking about how you look and how you appear and all this man-made garbage. But I use that and I end with that example because we could deal with our mouth and it would be relatively painless this month. That's not what God wants to do. He wants us to be willing to do the hard work. Where's that coming from, God? What's the root? Man, would you open your heart to what God wants to do? It'll be beautiful. It will not be painless. But we can walk through this Together, it will be worth it. Stand up with me. I want to pray that over you. Father, I do. I do pray that we would start to notice our words, even today. But God, it's just so clear. You've been so clear that this series is not about just that, that it's, it's about our hearts. And God, I, that, that analogy just hits so deep with me because I just... I want to take the easy road. God, would you remind us on this side of things that there is so much payoff and worth in allowing you to deal with root stuff in us, even when it's incredibly painful, even when it's been building up for years. That God, there is nothing better than knowing our heart is clean, that our heart has been renewed by you. Would you create in us a clean heart, God. Would you allow and help us see that our mouth is just a reflection of what's in our heart? Would you give us courage that's not of our own to say, speak and help me see what's in my heart that you want to transform? God, we pray that our words would be blessing to you and to other people that are in our lives this week until we meet again. We pray and go in Jesus' name, amen. Have a great fourth. We'll see you next week.